0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: As Heider would say, the Bobster
2: and the Vin Man. I like our guys.
1: Vinny and Haney.
2: 1057 The The Vin.
1: Vinny and Hady, 105.7, the Fed. We'll turn it up Tuesday, crank it up to 12. You want it loud, we'll play it for you. Send your song request. for text on at 410-583-1057. Bob Hady with you. Vinny's off today. Nolan is on the other side of the glass. We'll be hearing from him throughout the course of the show. Got the whip around coming up in a couple of minutes. Matt, Mike Accesa. CBSSports.com live from the winter meetings, but let's talk some Ravens as we do every Tuesday with our next guest. USA Today Ravens wires on the WGK Law guest hotline. He is Kevin Allstriker. Kevin, good morning. What is up?
3: Good morning. Yeah, we have a uh, the Ravens honestly in better position leaving their bye week than they were going into it. It was a almost perfect bye week for them, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about them over these last five weeks. This is definitely the toughest part of their schedule, and it's toughest schedule in the NFL remaining, so we're going to learn a lot.
1: And to your point, we were talking about it, Kevin, in the first uh, couple segments here. Pittsburgh loses at home. Cleveland loses to the Rams, who the Ravens will see Sunday. Jacksonville lost to Cincinnati. Okay, the Bengals won, but you can't have it all. But given the fact that the Ravens have swept Cincinnati, I don't think that uh, should concern them in regards to winning the AFC uh, North, but what about Jacksonville last night? Even before Lawrence got hurt, I think the Bengals were giving them much more than they bargained for, it seemed, given that 10 point uh, spread.
3: Yeah, I think people kind of went into that game expecting, you know, this Jake Browning, there's no Joe Burrow. And look, Jake Browning's credit, he did a heck of a job against that Jacksonville defense. And I. I think at this point when you look at kind of the the tiers in the AFC with teams obviously if you look at the standings Miami and Baltimore are the two tied at top the AFC right now with Miami holding that tiebreaker due to conference record but for Kansas City for Jacksonville I mean Kansas City you got to give them respect they're a heck of a team but there are some questions there with their wide receivers their defense has been really good this year I think it's the best defense the Mahomes Chiefs have had maybe in Mahomes' career But with Jacksonville, we'll see what the Lawrence diagnosis is. But you're right, even before Lawrence went out, it seemed like that game was a little more back and forth and a lot closer than I expected. And then obviously Lawrence goes down and the Bengals pull it out at the very end. But I think at this point, Baltimore has to be feeling really good because, again, the bye week went pretty much almost perfect for him. You mentioned the Bengals won, but it ended up helping the Ravens because you're right, I don't think – When you're talking about the Bengals, you're really worried about the head-to-head tiebreaker. Their division record is not good. Their conference record also is not good. So the Ravens would have the one-up. It'd take a historic collapse for the Bengals to pass the Ravens in the standings. So I think that it was a great bye week for them, and now they can kind of come in here and and focus on what they need to do. And they're going to need all the focus in the world because, again, the the stretch coming up is brutal.
1: Now, Kevin, I don't want to jinx Lamar Jackson or the Ravens, but – I don't know if he'll even address this when he meets with the media tomorrow, but the previous two Decembers, as you know, he wasn't there, got hurt. Couldn't play it out. Ravens missed the playoffs at 21, made it, but didn't last long, losing that heartbreaker to Cincinnati. How pumped you think he's going to be, if he even addresses it at all, to play in December, knowing the import of these games, the status that the Ravens have right now in the AFC, and not to mention the fact that he's one of the candidates for most valuable player right now.
3: Yeah, I think this is what he lives for. I mean, we we know how competitive he is. We know he loves playing football, and we know his goal is to win a Super Bowl and bring it back to Baltimore. And I think everybody knows how much that means to him. And you're right, the past two Decembers, he hasn't been there. And it's eaten away at him, and it's caused the Ravens to not really live up to their team's potential. I mean, 2021, we know how injury riddled that season was, even outside of Lamar, how bad that was. And in 2022, they did have some injuries, but... It seems like, you know, maybe with Lamar, they could have done something there. Right now, Lamar's playing at such a high level. I know, you know, we can have conversations about the deep ball and how inconsistent it's been this season, which is a fact. But outside of that, he's playing really, really well, and he's in that MVP conversation 100%. So to me, I think that as the games get more important, as the lights get brighter, Lamar lives more and more for that. And with the way he's slinging the football around with the receiving weapons that he has, you know, maybe Marky Andrews goes back in a deep playoff run. Maybe not, but we'll see, because at this point, it's kind of, I mean, the quarterback injuries we've seen across the league this year, there have been so many to so many key guys. And Lamar is pretty much the last quarterback standing in the AFC North at this point with Kenny Pickett getting hurt last week, having to go and have surgery. Obviously, Burrow gets injured and Watson gets injured. Both those injuries coming against the Ravens. So, Lamar is the last quarterback standing in the AFC North after his two injury-ended seasons last year. I mean, this is a year for the Ravens where there is an opportunity to go and win this conference. I think that when you're talking about an opening, Josh Allen's bills are not in the playoff picture right now. Burrow's done. Mahomes, what what are the weapons he has? I think this is the weakest Chiefs offense, and not, not that they're weak, but I think that there's an opportunity to beat that Kansas City team. So I think that Baltimore has a great opportunity, and especially, I mean, if Lamar is out there, the Ravens have a shot against anybody.
1: Kevin Austraker, USA Today, the Ravens Wire, joining us here on The Fan, Bob Haney with you. Vinny's off today on this Turn It Up Tuesday as the Baltimore team uh, comes back from the bye, Kevin. And we know the schedule, as you brought up. very Every team they play, they have five games left. Every team in the playoff conversation heading into this week. But as a team, what's the biggest area of concern for John Harbaugh and the Ravens schedule aside?
3: Yeah, I think that the offensive line is one, and not the entire line. I think Tyra Lindobahn has played great this season. Kevin Zeitler recovered from a, a Tough first couple of games to be the Kevin Zeitler that we all know, but I think Ronnie Stanley is a concern point for a lot of people right now because look, the Ravens this these last five weeks they're going to go up against vaunted pass rushes, pa- vaunted pass rushers every single week. The Rams team has obviously Aaron Donald the interior and has guys on the edge too. Jacksonville, Josh Allen is really good as an edge guy, not the quarterback, but Josh Allen's really good, and Trayvon Walker's there as well. And then, obviously, you can talk about San Francisco and just how good that roster is with their pass rush. Miami did lose Jalen Phillips, but they have Bradley Chubb and a couple other guys. Old old friend Jason Pierre-Paul is now over there, so we'll see him. And then in Pittsburgh, obviously, there are questions about the offense, but the defense of T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. So for Stanley, you know, part of it is – Was he able to heal up during the bye week? He's kind of dealt with injuries every single week this year, if you if you kind of think about it. Because he got injured in week one, had to miss a couple games, comes back, gets injured again, and then has to miss games, comes back again. So I think the bye week out of anybody, I know Odell had the shoulder thing, definitely benefited him, but I hope it benefited Ronnie Stanley just to get some rest. And again, the Ravens don't have to lift a finger, and they have a pretty much perfect bye week. So to me. Linderbaum and Zeitler have been great. John Simpson has had his ups and downs. I think Morgan Moses has been pretty solid for, for the year for the most part. He's had, I guess, some ups and downs in there. But I think you look at the concern point, and to me I think Ronnie Stanley is the one I look at right now.
1: All right, Kevin, last thing for Rams coming to town, winners of three in a row, six and six. Still playoff hopes themselves. The big concern with L.A. versus Baltimore will be what?
3: I think for Baltimore, it's – slowing down and I know the Rams don't have the most high powered offense in the league, but Karen Williams looks great after coming back from his injury. They had Matthew Stafford there who, you know, is a veteran. He, he knows what he's doing out there. And plus Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, that receiver group, Tutu Atwell there as well. Now this Ravens defense are the best pass defense in the league. So if they're going to have to be able to shut down that receiving trio, stop Karen Williams on the ground. And then obviously with the pass rush, that L.A. has. Aaron Donald got to stop him as well. Plus the Rams offensive line, Kevin Dotson, who the Steelers actually traded away, I think it was just a dump move for them. He's been one of the best guards, if not the best guard in football this year. So on the interior, getting some pressure on Matthew Stafford is going to be key as well.
1: Kevin Allstriker, USA Today. It's the Ravens Wire. Kevin, as always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your Turn It Up Tuesday, and we'll talk to you next week.
3: Appreciate you, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. You
1: got it, buddy. Here's Kevin Allstreicher, everybody. We'll come back. It's the whip around what happened in the world of sports last night, and historically we'll get to as much as we can. And then Mike Xisa, CBSSports.com, will go to Nashville. What's happening with those zany winter meetings?
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Brought to you by Fox Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes. The best crab cakes in Harford County. 1057, The Fan.
1: Top of the whip around here on this Turn It Up Tuesday video. Andy 1057, The Fan. The NBA in season tournament has reached its quarterfinal stages. And last night there were two games Indiana, 122 112 over the Celtics. Jalen Smith, former turf. Mount St. Joe, Baltimore kid, dealing with a bone bruise in his knee and a heel, so he's missed the last couple of games. But Tyrese Halliburton records his first triple-double, so Indiana moves on there, and if you missed it late last night, it was New Orleans, 127-117 over Sacramento. Brandon Ingram, Duke, he had 30. Uh, Kevin Herter, 12 points, five boards to assist in a loss for Sacramento. We'll talk more about that. And what it all means, the in the games count towards your regular season standings except for the championship game. There's financial incentives involved for the players. And you little trophy there as well. But uh, Sean Devaney from Heavy.com will be joining us at 1230. Talk about what's happening in the NBA. College hoops last night. Big Ten, it was number four Purdue. Coming off a loss to Mike Harmon's Northwestern Wildcats over the weekend as the number one team. They puffy pants Iowa. Eighty-seven, sixty-eight. Puffy pants, new to the show, means break out the puffy pants. It's hammer time. Remember, run hey eh, whatever. You remember that song, don't you? No, it's hammer, hammer time. time. Yeah. yeah, MC Hammer. Remember with the, the dance, the puffy shuffling back and forth. Yeah, the puffy genie pants. That's what puffy pants are. It's hammer time. But well, they hammer time, Zach Eady, twenty-five and twelve. Maryland, they're back on the hardwood tomorrow as they host Penn State. Both teams are four and four. Penn State started. 4 0. They have dropped four consecutive ball games. Maryland, they're just having a hard time putting the ball in the basket. Struggling as of late. Villanova spanked them. Uh, Indiana got on them early and often. And we'll see how they respond. Kevin Willard's crew against the Nittany Lions. Seven o'clock tip, a game you can hear on 1057. The fan in the NHL last night. Speaking of getting puffy pants, the caps. They were down five zip after the first quarter or first period, excuse me. Hockey term as uh, they win Arizona. The Coyotes going away. Six zip Washington. I mean, look, the Caps are better than we anticipated they would be so far. But uh, last night, they got it handed to them in a big way. They will host Dallas on Thursday. Washington, uh, the Stars, 14-6-3 on the year. One of the better teams. In the West for sure. It's Vinny and Haney, 1057 of the fan. It is the whip around. Heisman finalists were announced, and right now the betting favorite is this guy right here.
0: Caleb Jackson is his running back,
2: and Daniels pulls it, takes it himself. He's got the sideline. Jane Daniels off to the races. And a
1: That is the SEC Network on the call. Jaden Daniels, 40 touchdowns, four picks. Rating of 208. He also rushed for 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns as LSU was 9-3. Bo Nix also going to New York, Oregon. Michael Penix, Jr., Washington, and Marvin Harrison, Jr. The three quarterbacks all transfers. Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. Bo Nix, Auburn, where he was a legacy guy. His old man played. For Auburn and then Michael Penix Jr. You might recall him, Maryland fans from his days in Indiana where he was doing some good things back there for the Hoosiers and then Marvin Harrison Jr. considered to be one of the top wide receiver prospects. We've come into the NFL draft in a long long time. Those are your four finalists for the Heisman Trophy this day in sports history. Today is November or October December the 5th. I'm going in reverse, Nolan. 1971 Memorial Stadium. Colts shut out the Bills 24-zip. Norm Boulash with a touchdown. Johnny U threw a five-yard TD to Ray Perkins. And then uh, Billy Newsome uh, pick six there. Colts approved a 9-3 on the year on their way to the AFC Championship game. A couple of Heismans were handed out on this day, December the 5th, 1972. Johnny Rogers, Nebraska wound up going to Canada. Never had a stellar NFL career, but a great Great college player for sure. Helped Nebraska win a national championship. As a matter of fact, 1981, Marcus Allen. USC was handed the Heisman Trophy. And then 1987, Tim Brown. Out of Notre Dame, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown are Hall of Famers in both the college and Pro Football Hall of Fame. Maryland Hoops history, 1973. Cole Philhouse, fourth-ranked Maryland. Blows out Eastern Kentucky, 106-57. Tom McMillan at 26. John Lucas, 24-1980 at the Carrier Dome in the Carrier Classic. Fourth-ranked Maryland pulls away in the second half to be Wagner, 96-73. Greg Manning at 29 for the Terps out of Steelton, PA. His son, Greg Manning, Jr., a coach for Kevin Willard. And this year's Maryland team, 1984, Cole Philhouse. Maryland B. Cleveland State, 95-84. Adrian Branch had 27. Keith Gatlin, 17. Len Bias had 14 for the Turtles, who made the Sweet 16 that year. 1994, 11th-ranked Maryland at Cole Philhouse. A blowout, UMBC 102-77. Joe Smith, who would be the national player of the year, 20 points, 12 boards. And the X-Man, X-Rehip hip. He had 20 as well for the Turtles, who would also make the Sweet 16 that season. We'll come back, go to Nashville, talk to Mike Aksisa from CBSports.com. What's happening with these winter meetings? Funhouse trip, Nolan McGraw. News from the desk coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to hear from
2: John Harbaugh, who met with the media. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
0: You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Your sports information station, 1057 The Fan.
1: Vinny Haney 1057 The Fan here on this Turn It Up Tuesday. Bob Haney with you. Vinny's off today. Nolan McGraw is on the other side of the glass. We'll hear from him coming up in a few when we get to that fun house. But let's talk about the winter meetings going on in Nashville Mike Elias we heard from him earlier we will hear a little bit more as the show rolls on but he's with CBSSports.com he's on the WGK Law guest hotline let's welcome back to the show Mike Exisa Mike what's happening good morning Uh, Not much. How are you doing? Doing all right. Appreciate your time. Now, Shohei Itani's not coming to Baltimore. I think we all know that. But give us a status report as we sit here at 1130-ish. Mike, on a Tuesday afternoon, where's the most sought-after pre-agent in recent memory leaning towards right now?
2: I don't think anyone really knows where he's leaning. You know, he did – signs kind of point to him meeting with the Blue Jays on Monday. Nobody knows for certain that's what happened. But, you know, all the Blue Jays people – Uh, they weren't at the winter meetings you know they all met with reporters remotely and the general manager ross atkins you know every general manager meets the media at the winter meetings he he couldn't do it in person he was on zoom and the speculation is that they were in toronto or in um, florida giving otani basically just like a tour of their spring training complex but he met with the giants last week supposedly i would assume he's going to meet with the dodgers at some point or the cubs as well you know i've kind of assumed the dodgers are going to be the front runner here because just because, like they, they're seriously going to pursue him. They've kind of set up their payroll and their roster for like three years. They've been aligning things so that they can make this massive run at him, and it just seems to fit there. But I don't know. The Blue Jays, you could see how they could certainly use a left-handed bag. They're renovating their stadium, Rogers Center, like a three hundred million dollar facelift. So they're gonna, they they want to like showcase a the star there and. I mean, the team is, you know, they they got to take a step forward here. You know, they, they're they 0-6 in the postseason with Bichette and Vlad Jr. At some point, you kind of got to take a step forward and win, and Otani's kind of the perfect player for them. He's like the perfect player for this new facelift in the ballpark. I don't know. It makes sense that they would really kind of go all in on him. As far as where Otani's leaning, I, I really don't think anyone knows.
1: Now, do we know what the financial, uh, uh, let's say, commitment <laughs> will be to Otani? Has that kind yeah. of been figured out yet?
2: It seems like it's going to be at least $500 million, and I think this is going to be an incredibly complex contract. I think there's going to be deferrals. I think there'll be an opt-out at some point because, you know, Otani's not going to pitch next year. He had his elbow surgery. I think there's going to be some kind of – I don't know if protection is the right word, but some kind of opt out there that allows him to come back in 2025. If he shows he's healthy as a pitcher, maybe he could go opt out, go back into free agency, and say, "Look, I'm completely healthy now. Pay me again as a pitcher." And I don't know, but I think 500 million is kind of the floor here, and it, this is just not going to be like a straightforward, like you know, 10 years, 500 million. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on here.
1: Now, Mike, in regards to the other free agents that aren't Shohei Atane, and I know there's some players coming from abroad who are going to be sought after by a lot of major league teams. If we're ranking free agents outside of Shohei, who are the other three or four that we really need to keep an eye on here, at least yeah. in regards to the big uh, monumental contracts for sure?
2: Yeah, it's Yoshinobu Yamamoto coming over from Japan. He's only 25, he's the best pitcher in the world who's not in MLB. You know, pitchers like this, they just don't come along very often, especially this young And when you can sign him for just money. You don't have to trade for him. You don't have to do all this other stuff. It's just a straight cash transaction. Every big market contender is after this guy. There are some teams that are in Otani as well, and they're not going to sign both. So it's like an either-or situation. Like the Blue Jays. If the Blue Jays or the Dodgers, if they sign Otani, they're not going to sign Yamamoto too. But the Yankees are in. The Mets are in. The Giants are in. And he's the best free agent Behind Otani this year. And I I mean, it's, you look at how good and how young he is. He just won his third straight MVP, his third straight, you know, the saw young equivalent in Japan. So he's going to get 200 million easy, I think. You know, I saw earlier this year people were speculating maybe he get, you know, seven years and 150 million. I thought that was like nowhere close. I've, I thought this guy was going to get 200 million from the start, and it looks like that's the case. And, you know, otherwise, the market is not really, it's been very slow. I think a lot of teams are just waiting on Otani see what happens with him and also Juan Soto. You know, they're going to see, okay, does Soto get traded? Then what do we do if, you know, if we miss out on him? It's been really quiet around Blake's now, but the guy did just win the Saw Young. Eventually somebody's going to give him a bunch of money. And, you know, they're, they're, Cody Bellinger, it's been pretty quiet. And I feel like a, a situation where, okay, where does Juan Soto go? And the teams that miss out on Soto will pivot to Bellinger. So everything's kind of quiet now. Everybody's kind of waiting on Otani, waiting on Soto, and to a lesser extent, waiting on Yamamoto too.
1: Mike dot CBSSports.com. Joining us here, Vidian and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Bob Haney with you. Mike's from the WGK Law Guest Hotline. All right, bring it to the Orioles here. And the Dylan Cease, uh, you know, talk is there. And I'm guessing Mike Elias would like to add a veteran to the rotation. Corbin Byrne, Shane Bieber. Glass now, I don't know if they're going to get a guy from within the division coming out of Tampa, but what are you hearing about the Orioles and their pursuit of a starting pitcher? Maybe not happening in Nashville, but happening before they get to Sarasota in mid-February.
2: Yeah, Michael Elias said Monday that they want a starting pitcher. They would like a reliever who could pitch in the late innings and maybe close or at least kind of pitch in that eighth and ninth inning. And you mentioned Dylan Cease. I mean, that's like the perfect fit for the Orioles. You know, you get them for multiple years. It's not a rental like Shane Bieber or Tyler Glass now. And the Orioles—they have so many prospects. You gotta trade some of these guys. You just—they're not all gonna work out. Most of them are infielders, and you only have four infield spots at a time. You know, so you gotta—you gotta like consolidate your talent here. And if you could trade Jordan Westburg and somebody else and turn them into Dylan Cease, that makes sense for me. I don't know why you wouldn't—why they wouldn't explore that. And that—and that isn't to say this is a simple yes. We're gonna do it. You know, they gotta go out and win a bidding war, and you never really know how the other team views your players. That's kind of the X factor here, but. They clearly need a starting pitcher. You know, Kyle Bradish was great this year. Grayson Rodriguez was really good after coming back up from AAA. A, but you still got to you got to replace Kyle Gibson's innings at least. But there's a clear near need here for somebody to be that like number one, top of the rotation guy. You could go out and start game one of a postseason series if you need him to do that. And you know they're not going to spend the money on on Yamamoto, who would be the clear target there. Or even if it's you know somebody like Eduardo Rodriguez would help them. If they're not going to spend that money, then you got to trade some of your prospects. And Cease just seems like the perfect candidate for me because you get him for multiple years. He's got that kind of A stuff, and there's a lot of a lot of thought within the within the game that if you get Cease away from the White Sox and with a team that has a better handle on how to develop pitchers, which the Orioles have gotten better at in recent years, he could really take off. So uh, that's really the kind of guy I would look at for them.
3: Now
1: in regards to the birds too, Mike, and you know, they win 101 games. A lot of the core is young, controllable. Yeah, they gotta start giving some arbitration money out yeah. to the Santander's and the hazes of the world. They did lose Felix Batista as well, but you know, assuming Mike Elias does the prudent thing to replace you know a him and, you know, as you said, maybe make a move on a cease. I mean, are the Orioles looking like a team that's got a nice two, three, maybe four-year window here in the AL East to to keep up with, if not fight off the Yankees and the Red Sox and Toronto, Tampa? I mean, yeah.
2: it's a gauntlet for sure, man. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, the core they have is fantastic, especially on the position player side, and you got you got Rutschman for four more years before free agency. Whether they extend him, you know, that remains to be seen, but you know you got him for at least four more years, and Henderson just had a rookie seed, just one rookie of the year. Holiday's probably gonna be up next year. So your your window to win is like basically right now. You know, the Yankees are not what the Yankees were a few years ago. They're kinda of on a down period. The Red Sox are certainly I mean, they've been a last place team three of the last four years. So those two teams are not the kind of behemoths that are used to seeing them. The Blue Jays are good, but they're not you know, we got we gotta see. If they get Otani changes the calculation. But the Blue Jays are they're less than the sum of the parts there. There's something holding them back and And then you're going to beat out the Rays which you know the Rays are really good but the division is not as difficult as it was a year or two ago so certainly the window is and this is like really this is as wide open as it's going to get and I don't know what the Blue Jays are going to do financially I don't know how much ownership is really willing to push things there but that this is the window right now this is this is the time to go all in and they certainly have the talent to contend for at least another four years I mean Richmond's kind of the guy for me once you get through his team control years you got four more years things kind of get a little questionable. Well, if you don't lock up Rutschman, then then who are you
1: going to lock up and what happens after that? Mike dot com. Last thing for you, Mike, Josh Hader, local kid out of uh, Millersville, right outside of Baltimore. Orioles actually drafted him way back yeah. when before they traded him to the Astros. What's the buzz on the All star closer from the Padres here?
2: Yeah, it sounds like he's going to – you know, I didn't really think this would be the case, but it sounds like he's going to break Edwin Diaz's – contract record. Diaz got the largest contract for a reliever ever last year. I think it was $102 million, $105 million, something like that. And and boy, I don't know if I could see the Orioles spending $105 million on a reliever. I I don't even know if that's the smartest thing to do either. I mean, Obviously, Hater's great, and you kind of get into the postseason, you know, as many good relievers as you can have, great. And that just doesn't really seem like the kind of thing Elias would do is spend that much. If you're going to spend that much money on a pitcher, go sign a starter, you know, not, not a reliever. But Hater's obviously really good, and, and he does have kind of the tie, the local ties there, drafted by the Orioles and everything. I don't know. know. It's been really quiet around Hater, and I don't know what's kind of going on there. But eventually he's going to get a lot of money, and I don't know. I'd be very surprised if it comes from Baltimore.
1: Mike dot CBSSports.com. Mike, appreciate the time. As always, enjoy the rest of your week down in Asheville.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having
1: me on. You got it. It's uh, Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Bob Haney with you. We'll come back, take a trip through the funhouse. News from the Nets coming up top of the hour. Going to hear from John Harbaugh. Met with the media yesterday. Buy or sell. Where's the turn it up Tuesday money? And that's Sean Devaney, heavy.com. to some NBA. How about LeBron getting into it with a head coach? And the coach got thrown out of the game. Vinny and Haney, two opposites attracted by a paycheck. 105.7 The Fan. Video 5 sub the fan turned it up Tuesday. Monday Night Football if you missed it. Cincinnati 34-31 in overtime over Jacksonville, stunning the Jags, who were 10-point favorites in that game, as we talked about yesterday, and I'm sure you're well aware of everybody. Jacksonville would have won. They'd be the number one seed sitting here on this Turn It Up Tuesday in the AFC, but they lost, and Trevor Lawrence got hurt in the fourth quarter as well. He was having a good game. through two, ran for another. Quarterback rating well over 120. And then he got stepped on by his own left tackle. So walked off the field with some assistance. High ankle sprain is what they're saying right now. As We get new news, share it with you. But the bottom line is Jacksonville losing at home. They're now the fourth seed in the AFC. Ravens come in at number two. They have the Rams coming up on Sunday. One o'clock kickoff, Baltimore game day, uncensored pregame show. We're back at Brew Brothers. Horseshoe Casino, getting you ready for that extravaganza. The uh, Rams have won three in a row, including last Sunday against Joe Flacco. And the Cleveland Browns winter meetings are happening, as we just talked about with Mike Xisa. We'll talk about it later in the show, 130, with Rich Dubrow from Baltimore Baseball. Get a more uh, Orioles-related uh, conversation going there. But, uh, Nolan, before we get to the funhouse, Josh Hader wants over $100 $100 million. I don't see... That's that's not happening, no. From the Orioles, no, no. No, no. Hell no. But I do think he
5: will one-up Diaz. I, I think someone will give him that money. I mean, with how uh, important or the growth of importance in the bullpen has been over the past decade or so in baseball, uh, some people view them almost as valuable, if not more than starters, especially when you get to the postseason, so... I guess it makes sense that they're going to start cashing in on those big deals. And remember, Diaz got hurt in the
1: WBC last year. Yeah, Celebrating. Beginning of the end for the Mets last year. What a debacle for them. But in theory... You bring in Josh Hader. I mean, the, the angle locally makes all sorts of sense. He's from Old Mill. The Orioles drafted him in the first place, traded him against the wishes of, a believe, uh, Dan Duquette and others in the front office at that time, if memory serves. Brought Bud Norris in, who helped the Orioles win the division back in 2014. But he fills the whole big hole right now, that Felix Batista, uh, that's a gaping hole with him out for next year. Dylan Cease. And as we've talked about, Mike Xisa just said, look, bring him in here, develop him. I mean, th- this guy two years ago was one of the you know best pitchers in the American League baseball. He didn't have a great year in 2000. Well, the White Sox were another team that sucked in 23. But get him in here, controllable years. I mean, he just goes right to the top of your rotation. All right.
5: Favorable ballpark now to pitch in. So... That's a big factor, I, of course. I think uh, you'd be silly to say now nah, I'm not interested in Dylan Cease. I think the Orioles should go pretty heavy in their pursuit of them. And the good news is that, you know, in my opinion, at least, the Orioles aren't so in desperate need of a pitching that they're sitting here saying, "Oh, we could really use two or three guys to add to the rotation." It's really you just need one. I mean, just a couple years ago, we were thinking, "Oh man, you know, you're going to have to trade. You're going to have to sign." You're gonna to have to pull off some sort of wizardry to round out this rotation. And then all of a sudden, the Bradishes of the world, they develop. Tyler Wells looks like he could be a starting pitcher candidate. Kramer's had a couple good seasons in a row. Yep. You know, it wasn't long ago we were thinking, man, it's Grayson Rodriguez and who else? But now you got like four guys that you could automatically pencil in and let's go out and get
1: a big fish to be the fifth. And we'll see what D.L. Hall's role is going to be. And we heard from Mike Elias earlier. We're going to hear more from him. I mean, Cole Irvin's still around. Let's not forget, you know, they got him from Oakland. I would say a disappointing year in theory. I mean, he got sent back to the minors after three starts before he came back. But John Means, man, there's your wild card right there. I mean, he is he going to give you Gibson innings? Given his injury history, I would be skeptical to say that. But when he does hit the post I would think his performance level will be a notch above Kyle Gibson. Oh, and the sure. guy was almost to a no-hitter at the end of last season.
5: Lefty as well. You love to have a lefty in the rotation, especially with that skill set. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all in on Means. Yeah, he's, and he's healthy. Right, and, and I know Grayson had a great finish to the end of the year, but if we're talking about the rotation right now,
1: he's the number one Means for me. Got to keep him on the field, and when he – Hyde, like the first thing he said at his press conference before game one against Texas, that he was out with the elbow soreness, probably would have started, what, game three? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Braddish pitched game one, game the Orioles should have won. Grayson won game two, pitching well. He got rocked. I'm guessing means he definitely would have went game three ahead of Kramer. For sure, yeah. But it's all moot right now. It's video at Haney, 105. of the bad news from the NAS. top of the hour. Let's get a quick uh, funhouse ride here.
0: Quick Draws
1: fun Me too.
0: Me <laughs> too.
4: The Rudeness Tooness Text Reader. Who's oh, the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. Sponsored by the Smile Design Center. Changing the way you feel about dentistry, one smile at a time. For information or to schedule an appointment for care, give them a call today. 443 348 8812.
3: I like that quick draw.
1: 1057 The Fan.
5: First one here for Chris says every game is important for the Ravens to ensure good playoff seating, but they can also get a good idea of where they stand as a true Super Bowl contender when they face off against San Francisco and Miami.
1: Well, it reminds me of 2019. And I was thinking about this earlier today, 2019 down the stretch, Ravens beat San Francisco, San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken, went to the Super Bowl. that beat Buffalo, playoff team in Buffalo. Uh, Let's see. They beat Houston, blew them out, playoff team. So when they came back from their bye, beat New England, who was undefeated at the time, they got those litmus test games then, and it passed those tests with flying colors. Yeah, you can get an idea of who you are, but over the course of 60 minutes, what you did the previous week doesn't mean jack squat. But, yeah, to the, the texter's point, hey, handle your business, number one C. get that week off, and who knows, maybe Mark Andrews will be back, as John Harbaugh keeps hinting at, for whatever reason. Uh, this one here from Randy says, With Trevor Lawrence set
5: to get an extension, uh, it would be interesting to see how he handles recovery from this injury, assuming it's a little more serious. Uh, does he take a page out of Lamar's book here? These are Randy's words. Uh, refused to play until he has his deal.
1: Well, we don't know if Lamar refused to play. right? So, I don't think that's ever been confirmed by anyone, especially the Ravens or Lamar Jackson. That's the assumption. But if you're Trevor Lawrence and you can play and you're in a position with your team to get to the playoffs, I would assume that he'll be out there as quickly as possible. Now, will that mean... He'll be playing the Ravens in a couple of weeks. Based on the way he left the field last night, that seems kind of a long shot, but not impossible. But no, I don't think he's going to tank it, make a business decision for his financial gain later as opposed to walking away from his team. Yeah, I look, the
5: Lamar stuff, I know that was a talking point all offseason. There were so many angles to the whole contract saga, but I, I think we can confidently say that he wasn't. Holding himself out. Oh, he he couldn't even fly to Cincinnati is what they were saying. The team went to the playoffs. You, you don't think he wanted to play in that game? Eh, well, he's I'm been talking you. all these years about Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Yeah. And he's going to sit that
1: one out? Just no. No, no chance. I'm with you there, uh, uh, Nolan McGraw. And we'll come back here from John Harbaugh. Talking about some more pleasant things like his team at nine and three, news from the nest, by sells, count that cash. Sean Devany, heavy.com. He'll be joining us. Talk some NBA with Sean. A lot of crazy things going on in the National Basketball Association. For instance, Victor is living up to the number one player hype, the Spurs stink. And how about Chad Holmgren? I'm gonna start patting myself on the back because that guy's having a really good year for Oklahoma City.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy.